I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. I'm KGW's Chris McGill. Quiet, please. Ladies and gentlemen, you ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette. And my cat, Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show, and welcome to 2024, the year that America's going to be made great again by the election of Donald Trump, but we've got to wait for that in November. Just watch what's going to happen over the next 11 months or so. Glad to have you with me in this new year. And I want to ask you this question. Will Democrat plans to deny the ballot to American Trump voters lead to the next civil war? Now, I want to go over the latest developments involving the state of Maine. You already know about the state of Colorado. A number of other states are seeing legal challenges to try to deny to American voters the ability to cast a ballot for Donald John Trump. Now, does that make any sense? It does not. There's also a narrative, and I'm going to correct one little historical piece of this. It has to do with this. If somebody says to you, have American states ever tried to keep a president off the ballot? And if you answered no, you'd be wrong. It happened over over 150 years ago and it involved Abraham Lincoln in 1860. But there are people who are getting a one detail of that wrong, and I'll get into that in just a moment. First, welcome to the Lars Larson Show in 2024. Welcome to the best conversation in talk journalism. And if you want to join in, that's easy to do. 866-HEY-LARS. Or if you're a naysayer, you go right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And I want you to vote in the uh, poll on X. I guess that's the new working title we're going to use. The poll on X, formerly known as the Twitter poll. And today's question, and this has to do with news that just broke in the last several hours. Should Harvard Harvard, arguably one of the most prestigious schools, although I would never send my granddaughter to Harvard. If she were offered a free ride, I'd say avoid that place like the plague right now. Now she's seven and a half, so that doesn't have to apply. But Harvard has now allowed its president, its plagiarist president, Claudine Gay, to resign. I think she ought to be fired. 
I mean, this is something strange that happens. In most of America, if you work a regular job like my job or the job you have, you can be fired. But above a certain paycheck and above a certain position in society, I've told people for years, you never really get fired. You are allowed to resign. You say, oh, I'm going to go spend more time with my family. Nobody ever gets fired above a certain pay grade. I think we should make that happen. I mean, Harvard is a private institution, but here's the way I framed the question. Should Harvard have allowed alleged plagiarist President Claudine Gay to resign instead of being fired? And I would say no. She should have been fired instead of being allowed to resign. Or would you say it's good enough that she resigned? In fact, one of my listeners, Ken, wrote in to me because we were kind of thinking on the same lines. He said, Lars, this event took too long to happen. She, meaning Claudine Gay, the former, now former president of Harvard, should not have been allowed to resign. She should have been fired. My first thoughts when I heard about her plagiaristic propensities were to know if Harvard had taken any recent disciplinary actions to any of its students for plagiarism. From what I've read, Harvard has dismissed more than 20 students just in the year 2022 for plagiarism. And Ken is exactly right. Fact is, if you're caught engaging in copying somebody else's work, what is known as plagiarism, you're going to get kicked out of Harvard. Except if you're the president of Harvard and you've been copying other academics' work to their detriment. And some of those academics are pretty angry about what happened. Uh, Ken writes, if that truly happened to these students, I would expect to see at least 20 lawsuits being filed against Harvard if Ms. Gay was allowed to keep her job. If I'd been a Harvard student disciplined for plagiarism and saw this play out in her favor, I damn sure would have had my student record cleansed of any wrongdoing and be placed back in the student body and any legal expenses reimbursed by Harvard. So... Our question today, should Harvard have allowed alleged plagiarist President Claudine Gay to resign instead of being fired? No, she should have been fired is my answer. You can answer any way you like. You can find the Twitter poll at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. I'll tell you what, it is so crazy. These days that you have standards like this, allegedly the longest standing and most prestigious university in America, although it is completely liberal and its indoctrination is what it does to its kids. The fact that they would allow this woman to simply resign her post instead of firing her for the kind of uh, actions that would have got a student fired, I think is absolutely outrageous. But let me go back to the ballot question, because, as you know, state of Colorado has already said a judge has said that they will remove Donald Trump from the ballot. Now, a lot of people think of this as a slight to Trump. It is. But it's also a slight to voters. It's saying to voters, you're not allowed to vote for this guy. Why? Because we believe that he engaged in insurrection. Now, I know you're going to hear that from some of your liberal friends. They say, well, he was involved in an insurrection. Really, did the Biden DOJ charge him with insurrection? No, they did not. Did the Biden DOJ charge other people with insurrection? Yes, they did. A half a dozen men were accused of engaging in an insurrection. And what did the FBI find when they looked at Donald Trump and said, did we find evidence that Donald Trump engaged in insurrection? And the answer was, no, they did not. So Trump was never charged with insurrection, except for one place. He was impeached by Nancy Pelosi, who wanted an excuse. She wanted an excuse for a second impeachment because the Democrats, even then, in January of 2021, were absolutely desperate to find a way 
to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. They knew that Trump was going to win. And in fact, that's what's driving this current effort in Colorado, having him kicked off the ballot. And then the secretary of state of Colorado saying, hey, until the Supreme Court hears this case and makes the decision, I'm leaving him on the primary election ballot. And there are now 16 different lawsuits in 16 various states that say, uh, that are challenging Donald Trump being on the ballot. In other words, the Democrats are so desperate to beat Trump, and they know they can't beat him, they have become, as I called uh, them before uh, the Christmas break, the, the party of Tanya Harding. Do you remember Tanya Harding, the uh, talented figure skater, but not talented enough? She knew that she was likely to lose to Nancy Kerrigan. So way back in the day, some of Tanya's friends, she was never convicted of the actual assault, but she was, she did face some legal consequences because of her connection to that Trump, that attempt. Uh, they went to Nancy Kerrigan and they kneecapped her. They hit her in the knee hard enough to take her out of some of the competition. She still came back, but the fact is, that the party of Tanya Harding has decided the only way to get at Trump is to kneecap him. Now, about the connection to Lincoln. In 1860, the election between Lincoln and Breckinridge was decided by 40% of the popular vote that went to Lincoln. And Lincoln won the Electoral College vote. But in the southern states, he was not on the ballot. Thing is, they didn't have ballots like we do today. Usually, in fact, the term party ticket, where you say I'm voting a straight Republican party ticket, was because the parties themselves would distribute ballot materials, little slips of paper that looked like a train ticket, and you could just drop that in the ballot box. There were none distributed by the Republicans, so voters in the South did not have Abraham Lincoln as a choice. And guess what? He won anyway, and guess what? About a year later, we had a civil war. Do you think that's where we're headed today? Glad to be with you on the first working day of 2024. Happy Tuesday to you. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Wise words from President Reagan. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go. This is the Lars Larson Show. That makes a lot of sense, a lot of nonsense. Right, you bloody well right, you know you got a right to say. 
This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead, fish wrapper, or mainstream media bias. Well, go ahead and accuse me of having a dog in this fight because a drunk driver killed my mom on New Year's 54 years ago. So I do have a dog in the fight. Portland created its own traffic fatality problem and now refuses to take the only actions it knows would actually fix that carnage. The Rose City streets ran red with blood in 2023, racking up a 30-year record high number of deaths. That despite the much-heralded Vision Zero program that's aimed at cutting fatalities. And... As Carrie, the registered nurse, wrote to me and pointed out in reply to my commentary, add in a bunch of schizophrenic bike lanes, curbs, medians, and one-way streets, even the sober drivers are disoriented. So far, the only thing $185 million blown on seven years of Vision Zero has produced, more body bags. Here's my short list of fixable items. Police, several years of zero traffic enforcement, and now just 14 officers added back only seven months ago. That's roughly three traffic cops on the street at any given time in a city of 650,000. How do you suppose that's going to work out? At best, it's a token effort, de facto legalization of hard drugs by voters which lawmakers refuse to reverse. Somebody please tell me that legalized heroin, meth, and fentanyl do not play a role in this high number of traffic fatalities. Legalized pot with no effective way to police intoxicated driving. Thousands of people camping on or near streets or highways. If City Hall was actually honest, and unfortunately Ted Wheeler's City Hall is not, it would call its program Zero Intelligence. And then our question of the day from Scott. Lars, I'm a bit worried about this stock market. What's keeping it so high? Nobody's given me any concrete answers. And then we have this president running a campaign for a second term with a person that never ran one of the this size. So I think this is a setup for the next president to fail. Well, frankly, I think one of the reasons the stock market is so high right now is because some of that government money, you know, trillions of dollars shoveled into the economy that fed massive inflation, that's still keeping things going. There's still money to be made. But unfortunately, the hangover from all that excessive government spending is going to be really, really fierce. And from Twitter, our friend Ari Hoffman, whose talk show appears on our affiliate station, uh, KVI in Seattle, he has an exclusive one. 100 police officers have left the police, Seattle police force in 2023, 700 of them since 2019. And here's the money quote. We're underpaid, we're without a contract, and there's still a strong activist class that wants to put cops in jail. That's the climate we operate under on under a daily basis. And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. I'm going to give today's Daily Grill to all the politicians pushing tolling of freeways to force people off the roads. And that is the goal, to force people off the roads. Now, I've been saying that for years. Now we've got politicians in Oregon, and I suspect in Washington as well, who are actually admitting to it out loud. 
in point, case in point, State Representative Susan McLean, co-chair of the Oregon Transportation Committee, says, quote, we're using this polling not just as a funding device, but as a congestion pricing, and congestion pricing means a lot of things. We want to change behavior. There are some behaviors we want to change. Now, that is from a liberal Democrat who wants to force you off the roads. She says the tolling is really about, one, funding, getting surplus money for roads already built. Two, congestion pricing. That means raising toll prices, the highest during drive times to punish commuters. And number three, changing behavior, which means forcing people out of their cars, as pointed out by our friends at the Taxpayers Association and Oregon Catalyst. That is why Oregon DEQ voted to ban all gasoline car sales by 2035 without a single vote of the public or of elected lawmakers. And then this, uh, our email of the day, but you can always send more to talk at LarsLarson.com. Alice writes in, Lars, a friend of mine told me he got a check from Bob Ferguson, attorney general and wannabe governor, for $120. He looked into why, and they said it was for a chicken lawsuit he filed, and the money was to go to lower-income people. My friend has more than a few million. Is Bob Ferguson trying to buy votes for his run for governor? Very strange. Why didn't I get a check? Signed, Alice. Alice, we're going to look into that, but... I've been hearing about it from a lot of people, I guess both a chicken lawsuit and I think a tuna lawsuit as well. But when Bob Ferguson arranges to send out checks and make sure everybody knows who's sending the check and he's also running for governor, you have to believe that that's going on because he wants to win. And like most Democrats, he's willing to buy the votes if he has to. To your calls in this new year, Matt, welcome to the program. Thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network and KMED. What's on your mind? Well, Lars, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Hey, I, I called in about the whole plagiarism thing. It's we sh we don't we should not have any tolerance for it. And a good example is when I was in college, most of my research papers were probably two to three pages, and I did write a couple for my uh, very first transfer psychology class, and they were mega papers, like like five pages, uh, both article reviews, and then a fifteen page research paper. And what we did was we would we got I got my articles on CD on audio CD, and, and I just had to paraphrase the articles and take quotes out of them, and that's how we did it. And it was a piece of cake. So you're able to plagiarize. Yes? No, no, we didn't plagiarize. We, 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 we would read the article and, and the, our paragraph and then put what we read in our own words. Oh, it, well, uh, if you put in your own words, that's not plagiarism. Now, can you imagine this, uh, this affirmative action hire, Claudine Gay, who became president yeah. of Harvard? Apparently, she has a history. Most professors you talk to, even the lower level ones at smaller colleges. yeah. Yeah, they, they all publish articles. Why? Because, you know, in, in general terms, college professors, I, I, I'll admit I dropped out after about a year and a half, but most college oh, I did. professors... I got, my, uh, my, I got my associate's degree. You got your so you're ahead of me. But, but most yeah. college professors are expected to spend a third of their time teaching, a third of their time doing research, whatever field they're in, and a third of their time uh -huh. doing writing. And if you don't get yeah. published... There's an old phrase where they say publish or perish, that if you're not getting regular articles published by professional journals, you're not going to be a professor yeah. for very long. She has almost what, no what? history of having written much, and, and it sounds really? like an awful lot of what she claims to have written, she actually stole from other people. Ooh. Well, what about instructors? Because I know, I know the uh, to be an instructor now. Given a lot of that's adjunct, you have to have a master's. It's not quite as hard as being a professor, but I don't. And, and they a lot still of want you to publish because that's the whole point. If you're supposed to be this smart person who's a college professor, 
You're expected to be adjuncts, I might add, too. I understand, but even if they are, even at whatever level, you want to be publishing articles to show that you're actually creating something new. Now, an awful lot of academic research that gets published is not new at all. It's kind of retreading old topics. But the fact is, if she doesn't have much of a publication record already, and it sounds like she stole liberally from other professors who've been complaining about it for years, and Harvard won't even fire her, but they allow her to resign on her own, that should tell you everything you know, if you didn't already know it, about Harvard. It's a Tuesday, it's the Radio Northwest Network, and you're listening to The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Listen for five minutes. You'll feel better. More with Lars Larson right now. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and emails. Happy New Year and a belated Merry Christmas. Uh, glad to have you with me. If you want to join the best conversation and talk journalism, it's right here every day at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And the poll on X that has to do with the resignation of Harvard's president, alleged plagiarist, Claudine Gay, and whether or not she should have been allowed to resign or whether she should have been fired. You can find the Twitter poll or the poll on X as we're calling in this brand new year uh, on our on a, on Twitter or X at Lars Larson Show and on our website at LarsLarson.com. It's a pleasure to welcome in this new year one of our favorite go-tos when it comes to legal matters, and that's Josh Marquis, former district attorney. Josh, how are you? I'm I'm anew. <laughs> yeah, you don't sound very enthusiastic, but I'm enthusiastic because what a lot of people may not realize, but but I uh, I'm aware of it, is when you see all those homeless encampments, no matter where they they might be, uh, and you say, why don't cities or counties or states clear those things out? People are camping on land they don't own; they don't have any right to camp there. That one of the reasons is known as the Boise decision. Now, would you mind telling my audience what the Boise decision is and why it's so significant that the Supreme Court has signaled that it's going to look at the Boise decision and maybe even uh, throw it out? Sure. Um, up until now, the, the controlling law in this part of the country, meaning the West Coast, is controlled by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is uh, basically all of the states on the West Coast, Alaska, Hawaii, Montana, uh, and a few other states. And absent the U.S. Supreme Court decision, what they say is the law of the land. So the U.S. Supreme Court only weighs in on a very small number of cases that they think are significant. And in 2018, in a case called Boise versus McDonald, the Ninth Circuit, or a three-judge part of the 27 judges, said you cannot essentially... Um, ban camping unless you basically give full criminal rights to anyone who you're going to try to um, say they can't camp there. Um, and what it essentially did, for all practical purposes, is it made it, it gave an excuse for cities like Portland and places like Oregon that didn't want to engage in enforcement. So it effectively yep. meant you can camp there, you can defecate, on, you can use drugs, and essentially we're going to put huge liabilities on cities and counties that dare do any enforcement. 
So for the last five years, a lot of people, including ironically even some of the more traditional liberals in, in city county government who are desperate to find some way to push back against what's happening on the streets of Portland and other cities, have been looking for some relief in the courts. And now it appears that the Supreme Court radically changed from 2018 by the appointments of uh, President Trump, particularly Amy Comey Barrett and a couple of the other changes that he made, are willing, are signaling that they may well take a companion case out of Grant's Pass. If they do, if they hear the case, the betting odds are that the Supreme Court will come up with a very different decision than this panel of the Ninth Circuit did. And that could be a huge change. Now, the thing we have to watch out for in Portland is there are some politicians who are still in office in Portland who probably don't want to enforce. But this, but in the if this decision changes, there won't be any excuse like, oh, we can't do this. There's nothing we can do about uh, people. It's not just homeless people. It's people basically camping out, defecating, using drugs, um, and, and doing everything else that's degrading the city in, in ways that I don't think anybody can deny, whether you like the city or, or dislike and And degrading it in ways that citizens can't really respond to. If you live in a house next to a homeless camp, I mean, God help you, because they can haul in garbage, they can present a, a clear and present danger from fire, uh, you can be, you can have a criminal danger as well, because many of the people in homeless camps will run chop shops for bicycles and steal things, and that sort of thing, to feed habits, and all of that is, it, it comes as a, as a consequence of allowing these camps, and the city can just say, well, the Boise decision says we can't do anything about it. The basic, right. if I understand this and you know I'm, I, I always remind my audience I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer but the basics are every human being has to rest meaning has to sleep at some point so sure. if a person says I can't or won't get a place a legitimate place to sleep a home an apartment whatever then you right. can't tell then they are free to go and camp anywhere they want to camp effectively is that it Beyond that, I mean, there is no such thing to be born as a right to rest. I mean, that's the concept. That's what they like to call it. But, uh, you know, we all have a right to breathe, and I have a right to eat what food I want, but I don't necessarily have the right to go into a restaurant, demand they give it to me for free. What's oh, just wait. That's probably coming next. It probably is. But, but what we've gotten to is the stage where... Um, even cities that have said, okay, and, and this is what the, is going on at Grants Pass. Grants Pass has beds available, but they're mostly, particularly in a community like Grants Pass, open through religious organizations and private organizations and things that all oh, horrors that you can't use drugs or alcohol and kind of into our shelter. In other words, they have, you know, they're, they're what they call you know, low barrier or no barrier. And and the arguments by by the ultra-liberals are, no, no, we can't put any barriers up. What that means is, well, you can use drugs and you can use guns and all, you can have guns. I mean, just look at downtown Portland. That's what a no barrier uh, shelter looks like. It's not really a shelter at all. It's basically, it's just ollie, ollie, oxen free. Then you marry to that, the disaster measure 110, which has essentially legalized all drugs, and you have a really, really toxic mix. So now, if, 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 yeah, go ahead. If the Supreme Court throws this out, 
are they likely to say right. you can't you know this this decision about the right to rest there is no such thing um and and if you i mean because even the people who live in conventional ways you know in an apartment a house or whatever usually are subject to rules if their landlord says i won't let you smoke tobacco i won't let you have a pet uh, I won't let you I manufacture let you fireworks in your garage or whatever. They they right. can do all that, can't they? Of course, I own my house. I mean, subject to a small mortgage. But even the even under those circumstances, the city of Astoria can say I can't do certain things on the front lawn. So yes, of course there is. This is the irony. Uh, actually, this is a good point you made, which is that. For everybody else, there are rules that apply, all kinds of rules, but rules that make sense, that basically, uh, to, to, you know, a famous line from uh, uh, a, a, late 20th, a late 20th century philosopher was, my right to swing my fist ends where your nose begins. Yep. And that's what it should be. But that's not what it is. It's basically what we have going on in Oregon and the Ninth Circuit in, in Portland is, I can do anything I want. It doesn't matter well, how much it could, diminishes could, your right. Could you even matter. argue, Josh, that by doing the Boise decision, they effectively said if you're homeless, you have superior rights to the rights of a regular tenant or homeowner. At, at my home, which I own with a mortgage, uh, if I go out on the lawn at 2 in the morning and crank up a stereo, the police are going to come by and say you're, you can't do that. But if I'm a homeless guy and I've got a fire burning and it's right next to propane tanks and I'm shooting heroin, and I'm not doing any of these things, but if I'm doing all those things and playing loud music at the same time, that person actually has superior rights in the view of the crazy and much overturned Ninth Circuit? You're absolutely correct. That is effectively because there, this idea there's a right to rest. Of course, there's a, a right to rest, but but the idea is that all life is conditional. Again, I can swing my fists around all I want as long as I don't impact your ability to be safe or to have my fist fly into your. Absolutely, that is Josh Marquis, the former district attorney of Clatsop County. We'll get to your phone calls in the next segment, and we got to talk about something strange that's going on in Medford at a hospital where drugs may have been diverted and at least one death is under investigation but the cops won't tell the public what's going on Is staring at your... I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. He does the work so you don't have to. Bringing the political heat. He's Lars Larson.
Democrats in Maine. Off the ballot, Trump they've taken, and they really can't explain the big mistake they're making. They can't defend it. Supreme should end it. Can't let this happen. Can't Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Yeah, that's the great Jim Gossett, our parody guy. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. Now marking, uh, let's see, 24 years of serving the Pacific Northwest states, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. And always glad to get your calls. Our Twitter poll or X poll today, the poll on X, should Harvard have allowed plagiarist President Claudine Gay to resign instead of being fired? I'm saying she should have been fired. But just a few hours ago, we found out she is going to be allowed to be to resign because she's been caught in a number of occasions of plagiarism. She's been called out by her fellow academics. And finally, Harvard has seen fit to get rid of her, despite the fact that they kept her around after that crazy performance she gave on Capitol Hill, trying to justify anti-Semitism and, frankly, openly anti-Jewish and anti-Israel points of view. I want to tell you about this story, and I'm hoping to talk to the reporter about this who broke this story. It's KOBI, that's the NBC affiliate Medford, KOBI-TV. And they broke this story, and here's the problem. Well, a couple of problems. Number one, at least one person's death is being investigated. And anonymous sources have told, uh, and I love the guy's name, Maximus is the reporter who broke this, but I think we'll talk to him or his boss tomorrow. The anonymous sources told KOBI that an employee they identified as a nurse injected patients with tap water instead of fentanyl, an opioid that's commonly used in medical settings in safe dosages as a very powerful painkiller. Now, this allegedly happened at Asante Rogue Regional Medical Center. The police say they are investigating an incident at the hospital and then refuse to provide any other details. Now, I understand during an ongoing investigation, you may have to hold certain things back, but they won't say how many people may have died or when the hospital first alerted the police. Apparently, they saw so no need at Asante to alert the public because if you've got some kind of medical malady that has left you in so much pain that they are carefully giving you fentanyl being administered in a hospital setting, that tells you that person is probably in a fair amount of pain. And if the nurse is instead injecting saline instead of injecting the actual drugs, it makes you wonder, where were the drugs being diverted? Were they for the use of the nurse? Were they for sale? Were they going somewhere else? Who's the nurse involved? How many patients? How many deaths might be connected to this? All of that is we don't know. The hospital won't say. Asante won't say. And apparently the local police are not saying either. In any case, we're going to keep an eye on that one. I expect to talk to the reporter or his boss tomorrow. To your call. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Weldon. Hey, Weldon, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Well, thank you, Lars. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to uh, you as well. Fortunately, it's too late to fire this person, but Let's fire the people who hired her in the first place. <laughs> they were completely incompetent in vetting this person. They were totally lazy. She checked off two boxes, and that was the end of vetting. Black period. and female, right? That's it. And what does that say to every other black American 
who a man or woman who has considerable skills, who is hired because of their skills. What does it say when a, a university is so anxious to show its diversity and its inclusion and all this other garbage? And they say, OK, we're going to do an affirmative action hire of somebody who's published very little and apparently may have stolen much of what she did publish. And then it has these absolutely outrageous attitudes about anti-Semitism. And she gets caught and she was called out for plagiarism some time ago. And all these other yeah. academics that she allegedly stole from, they've been sending the alarm for a while. And Harvard doesn't let that get in the way. I think you're right. The Board of Trustees maybe should be up for firing next. Let's go to uh, David Cross. David Cross keeps an eye on illegal alien activities in the Northwest for this program. David, welcome back. It's good to be with you, Lars. I have a, a different topic today. We do have your uh, Criminality of the Week report up t today on the U.S. Federal Bureau of Prisons. Donovan posted on the website, and there were like 24,692 criminal aliens in the prison system. That was about 15% of the prison system is full of criminal aliens. But what I wanted to talk to you about today was the, the attempt by Maine to keep Donald Trump off the, off the ballot. Yep. And one thing that news media isn't talking about, and I know you've talked about, is all these individuals that are trying to keep Trump off the ballot are often Democrat secretaries of state. Like yep. in Maine, it was, I think, Sheena Bellows. And I think you and your team have a, 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 a poll up on your website where people get a chance to comment on that. But what I'm thinking is, Lars, often the media isn't even talking about that these are individual elected officials, and it's almost like a bandwagon fallacy when they say, well, Maine is trying to keep Trump off the ballot or Colorado. It's really just many of these states are swing states, and so often... And it's just an individual... You may have, and by the way, official. David, the, the lady in Maine who did this is a Democrat, a solid Democrat, and she had an administrative hearing to remove Trump from the ballot and, more importantly, to deny the rights of Mainers, the folks who live in Maine, to be able to vote for the candidate of their choice. It's outrageous, it's politically driven, and it's a sign of what's coming in 2024. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges, but how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. You ready for the big soul? Right. An executive 15 seconds will be on the air. This is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. And now. Then we're going to 
kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on Tuesday, the second day of January in 2024. We've got an election year this year, and it's going to make it very, very interesting. With uh, Democrats so desperate to replace well, not just to replace Joe Biden, they got to find somebody else to run. Uh, I understand he's still officially running, but then they've got other problems as well. They need to hang on to the Senate. Let's hope we can take it away from them and put it back in conservative hands, real conservative hands. And the same thing with maintaining the conservative majority in the House of Representatives. And part of that uh, is Jason Beebe. Jason Beebe is the mayor of Prineville, and he's running to replace Congressman Cliff Bentz. You've heard Cliff on this show. In fact, we had quite a go back and forth uh, with Congressman Bentz, who I've, I've liked on a lot of other issues, but when he voted against impeaching uh, Secretary Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, who's opened up the border, we've got a record number of illegals still crossing the border, and that's one of the first promises that candidate Jason Beebe says is at the top of his agenda in running against Cliff Bentz, uh, who you've described as a rhino as well, Jason. So great minds think alike. How are you? I'm great, Lars, and thank you for having me on the show, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Tell my audience why they should take a Republican, not necessarily the most conservative Republican, in, in Cliff Benz, and replace him in Congress with you. Well, for for one, Lars, I'm, uh, I'm an American first Republican. I don't think Cliff's done a job. Uh, I think he's in it for himself. He's not in it for the country or our state, especially our district. And I think he's just holding a place. He's just a seat holder, wearing a suit, not doing anything. And I will do things. I've, I've got a list of things that I want to work on from day one. Well, let's talk about the list. Give it to the, I want my audience to hear, warts and all, all the candidates, this is what I ask of every candidate who comes on, tell people who are listening, not just me, uh, I'm a Washington state voter. I won't even get to vote in this one, but I want people to have a good choice of candidates. You know, not like the Democrats where they, they don't have anybody good running right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, okay, so I'll just go down some of my top ones. Um, one of the biggest things I want to do is close the border and stop immigration. Um, I think we need, very first thing, finish the wall. We need to stop human trafficking, which is just killing you know, young Americans are being, you know, people being taken. And not only Americans, there's people being trafficked across the border on both sides. Yep. Uh, there's fentanyl that's pouring into our country. Um, that's uh, some of the largest fentanyl busts have been here, I think, in Oregon and Washington. Yep. They have um, been. You know, why, why is that happening? You know, and then, uh, protect American communities. So those, that's number one on my list is the border. We got to finish the wall. We got to stop immigration. And we got to uh, take care of Americans first with the border. Without that border, we're not a country. And I think see, the Democrats have been proving that. See, and that's it. The most recent numbers, we just got numbers for December, that in the month of December, the number of illegal aliens that the Border Patrol encountered, so that doesn't count the ones that were the gotaways, it doesn't count the ones that they never even saw, and they know that a number of people are crossing without the Border Patrol even being aware of it, they know that because the cartels will often flush a bunch of average illegal aliens across the border, knowing that'll draw all the, 
you know, Border Patrol resources to one area, and then a whole bunch of illegal aliens that they're being paid more for get trafficked across the border with drugs or with kids, uh, all kinds of ugly, ugly things that the, the, the cartels are doing. They, they run a very efficient business, unlike the Biden administration. So when, when you've got 303,000 in a single month, uh, roughly 10,000 illegal aliens per day, which means if we continue at this rate, we could end up this year with an additional three and a half to four million additional illegal aliens entering America. And there seems to be a very clear political uh, agenda here. And then Cliff Bentz, you know, and he's been nice enough to come on the show, but he also, I had to ask him the tough questions. Why were you one of eight Republicans who voted no on impeaching Mayorkas? And his answers didn't add up to me. No, that's honestly, that that's one of the first things that I, um, I was going to run in two years. And I finally, I said, look, I can't do this anymore. I've got to run against Bentz. He's, he's not doing it for our country. And that vote right there did it for me and said, made me want to run right now. Um, I don't care if he's establishment. I'm going to run against him uh, to put an American first in there. And that vote, we needed to make a statement to get Mayorkas out of, out of office or out of his position and, and make that statement loud and clear that we're coming for you. We're coming yeah, for because all other, the people otherwise that voters, voters are free, Jason, to believe. And by the way, tell people where, before I say anything else, tell people where to find your website and help you out with the campaign. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, www.bbfororegon.com. And that's spelled B-E-E-B-E, B-E-E-B-E dot com. Because, I, I mean, for the life of me, I tried best I could because, uh, Jason, one of the things I try to do is if somebody votes no and I don't like the vote, I'll ask them, why'd you do that? And I, I just did not understand his reasoning because... It seems as though there are an awful lot of people on Capitol Hill, both in the House and the Senate and in the bureaucracy and among Republicans who say, well, we're kind of go along, get along. We let their side get away with a, a bunch of nonsense and they let us get away with a certain amount of nonsense and everybody gets to keep their seat. That's the kind of government that has put America where it stands right now with a two trillion dollar deficit, a wide open border, billions flowing off to a war nobody seems to understand in Ukraine. Uh, shutting down of, of oil drilling and pipelines in America at a time when energy is more important than ever. And you say, how do we get there? And you say, because we have members of Congress who say, I want to keep my seat. So I'm going to vote, you know, I'll kind of vote down the middle. And by riding the fence, they get to keep their seat and America gets screwed. No, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm not there to make friends. Um, I'm here to do my job and to support the American people. So I'm, uh, you know, I have a decent job right now. I could stay very comfortably where I'm at, but I'm willing to to let that go to go in and fight. And I'm tired of it. And I'm not I'm not going to be there to make friends. And I'm going to one of the first things I want to do is join the Freedom Caucus and start fighting with them. And if they're not going to be hard enough for me, I'll go beyond that. I'll just keep fighting. Yeah, because you worry that every time somebody starts something new, like the Freedom Caucus, you say, how long till they get compromised by somebody who says, do you want to maintain your power? Well, then you're going to have to vote for some things uh, that, that you'll you'll appear a little more conservative than the rest of the Republicans, but not nearly conservative enough for the best interests of the country. That kind of thing has been going on forever, and we need to break that mold, even if it means hurting some feelings and voting another way. Where's the website again, Jason? The, the website is www. 
dot bb for Oregon dot com, and that's b double e b e f o r o r e g o n dot com. Very good. Jason, good luck to you. I'll be look. I will still have Congressman Benz on the program. I want to be able to ask him some questions, and we'll do the same thing to you. And if Congressman Benz raises some objections, I'll I'll ask you the hard questions as well. You seem capable of taking it. That's Jason Beebe. He's the mayor of Prineville, and he's running to replace Congressman Cliff Benz. Back in a moment, I'll get to your phone calls in the next segment, and we'll talk about the politicians who are finding ways to ban natural gas without technically banning it. It's sneaky. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. stjude.org. Small Town Politics with Big Town Opinions. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on the first Tuesday of 2024, and I'm glad to get to your calls. I want to tell you about something that's going on that's very, very sneaky. It involves both the federal government and the state government, and what they want to do is they want to ban certain things, uh, use of certain kinds of fuels, use of certain kinds of devices that run on electricity, and they want to do it while still being able to maintain that they haven't actually banned those things. And I'll give you a couple of specific examples, but be aware of this, because when you try to fight a ban, if folks say, well, you know, the politicians tell us they're not actually banning any of that stuff, they're just making it more efficient. That's exactly the way they want to do it. And I'll get to the specifics of it. This is not a conspiracy theory. But first, welcome to the program. Glad to get your phone calls and emails at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you happen to be a naysayer in 2024, come to the place where naysayers are always welcome. And that's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you can vote in our Twitter poll. Today's question goes this way. So a few hours ago, we found out that the alleged plagiarist president of Harvard University, Claudine Gay, uh, who appears to have been an affirmative action hire for the university. She didn't publish much. She wasn't much of a professor, but she checked a bunch of boxes for the inclusive, diverse kinds of folks at Harvard. Should she have been allowed to resign, which she did within the last few hours, the news of that broke, instead of being fired from her job, 
I think she should have been fired from her job if Harvard wanted to send the message that plagiarism is wrong, anti-Semitism is wrong, and we hired somebody, Harvard hired somebody, who is simply checking political boxes and didn't actually have the capability to run America's oldest private university. In any case, should Harvard have allowed plagiarist president Claudine Gay to resign instead of being fired? I'd say no, they should have fired her, but you can vote any way you like, at Lars Larson Show, and that's the poll on X, uh, formerly known as Twitter. You can also find it on our website at LarsLarson.com. So let me go first to Ron. Hey, Ron, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? 24 years, my brother. I'm very honored to be with you. And Thank you, And the point sir. is this, on that uh, Miss Gay, um, she should have been fired. I would have fired her, but because the point is this, she wasn't even qualified for the job indirectly. She didn't know how to handle the financials and everything else. And to go through and openly act like the KKK, which was founded by the Democrat Party or the Democrat Social America, that type of uh, stuff going on on our taxpayers, part of the, even though they're probably funded well, 80%. Uh, even though, and I remember, Ron, you, you speak to something that's really important to remember. Even though they're a private university, they they get a tremendous number of government grants and other monies. Plus, they have a massive endowment. They have an endowment so big that they could literally let everybody go to Harvard. I think the tuition is seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year. They could let everybody go to Harvard without paying any tuition at all, and they'd have no problem paying for it from their investments. It's I haven't looked it up recently, but it's tens of billions of dollars that they're sitting on top of. And yet, even with all that cash they still get government monies that flow in from mostly the federal government. So you're right to point that out. But the point is this, Lars. It goes against what Reverend King says is the content of the character. She had no character. She, in my opinion, being a black American with mixed blood, as, you, as I told you last time, uh, I'm just American first. And the point is she doesn't have that American first approach to everything. This is right out of the gates of Marxism on the road to serfdom by F.A. Hayek. You can't keep leading people because what's on the outside of the skin to push an agenda that goes against the individualities of the individuals and truth. Freedom of speech is acceptable, but when you're going through and you're asking the evisceration of a, of a race or a group of people because of their faith, that is no better than the devil himself coming out here saying he's the light, and yet he's put the dagger on your back, sir. Very nicely said. Ron, thanks so much for calling. Let's go to Tim. Hey, Tim, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Hi, thanks, Lars. I was going to make a comment regarding uh, an earlier segment with uh, those who are trying to keep Trump off state ballots. Yep. And if that uh, things like that go forward, how that might fan the flames of civil war, in fact. And I would like to make a, a submission here, a case that Trump in the firing line, whether in office or out of office, is what's keeping us from civil war right now. And I'll, I'll try to support it with this, this notion. Uh, today, as you've mentioned on your show so many times, there's so many polar, polarized issues such as abortion on demand, euthanasia on demand, God, no God in our society, <clears throat> a double standard of justice, who gets prosecuted, who doesn't, who has to follow yep. the laws, who doesn't, property rights, who has them, who doesn't, climate science and energy, what that's all about, definitions of gender in sex, economic freedom versus central control, who has free speech and who doesn't, and the list goes on. Yeah, it does. These are, in my view, polar, such polarized viewpoints of life, fundamental 
notions of what a human being is, what the meaning of life is, what the purpose of life is, what it is to be a human being, these are, in my view, irreconcilable differences. I now, think they are, but, but Trump, Tim, can I throw uh, one thing in? Yeah. On all the things you mentioned, at least you yeah. can advocate for one side or the other. You can say, I believe in gasoline cars. I don't believe that CO2 is poisoning the earth. You, you can say, I do believe in the right to life of unborn children. But here's where it changes and where I've had people say, well, Lars, you've always uh, been a little skeptical that we're at the point where we could go to civil war. And I said, I have been because this is how it's a game changer. When you say to the American public, we know you want Trump. We know that a majority of Republicans want to nominate him in the summer of this year. Uh, a majority appears to, to want to elect him. And the polls seem to show that he would, beat, uh, he would beat Joe Biden pretty handily if the election were held today. So they say something that I think is brand new in America, and that is you aren't allowed to vote for him. And, and that well, me, I see that as a game changer, case. don't you? May I, may I finish my case? Yeah. I haven't. I haven't quite closed my loop yet. No, well, I, yeah, I know, I but I want you to engage with me. This isn't a one-way yeah. conversation. So uh, I, I, I get the idea. We've got all these polarizing issues. Right, right, okay. Yeah, my point is that Trump, is being where he is, whether in office, out of office, on the front line, is a scapegoat. He is functioning as a literal scapegoat, and we can focus on him, whether you're for him or against him. Uh, you know, and when he goes away, then these issues will become more and more paramount. And these are bigger than the, the slavery issue, believe me, you know, 150, 70 years ago. These are more fundamental to what uh, human life and the role of uh, the role of man in, 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 in his viewpoint of uh, worldview. And I just think that because when he goes away, we're going to be left with two sides in many of these issues that will not just have discourse. They have agreed to be emotional in deciding these uh, things, and and I I think that will lead to violence. That's I think it may. And Tim, one of the one of the other things you should mention is when he goes away, when he's done with his next term, because I believe he's going to be reelected and he'll be president for four years. But do you see very many politicians right now? who are offering to pick up the torch after Trump. There's a very small number, and most of them seem to be go along, get along. I'd like to be senator, I'd like to be a rep, and I don't want to have to make the tough choices. Trump's willing to do it. An awful lot of other politicians are not. Thank you for the call. Back in a moment, you're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest. The Lars Larson Show. the news so you don't have to back to the lars larson show welcome back to the lars larson show it's a pleasure to be with you and i'm always glad to get to your phone calls and emails i'll return to calls in just a moment but i want to talk to our friend curtis hill former attorney general for the great state of indiana republican candidate for governor of that state and i want to talk to him about this craziness that a number of American states are seeing efforts to try to ban the voters of those states from casting ballots for Donald Trump. Seemingly because he is the odds-on favorite to win the Republican nomination and the odds-on favorite to win the entire contest in November, and the Democrats can't tolerate that. Curtis, welcome back. 
Lars, how are you? I'm doing very, very well. How's the campaign for governor going? Campaign's going well. We've got a great grassroots effort going, and uh, feeling very, very, very positive about it. Now, because I always look at India. I've got friends who live in Indiana and have for years. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the state's a great state, but uh, I worry that sometimes my view of it as a conservative state may be belied by the, the local conditions. I hope it's not going woke and, and all the rest of that nonsense, is it? Well, there is a danger of that. It, it, it's complacency. When you have a supermajority and you've been a, a red state, a lot of times you allow things to slip in. So we are dealing with some of, some of the effects of CRT, SEL. Uh, some of the wokeness is creeping in, and it's, that's why it's important for good, solid conservatives with a proven track record to get involved and to maintain leadership. I also worry about whether or not the Republican Party is doing enough to stand up, and, and, and maybe my impression is wrong, but my impression is the Republican Party is kind of standing back saying, well, you know, whatever happens. I think there are a lot of people in the Republican Party who aren't crazy about Donald Trump, and, and they're not paying attention to what their customers, the citizens of the United States, want. And, and I think some of them might, in their heart of hearts, actually not be terribly disappointed if you got knocked off the ballot a bunch of places. Am I, you think I'm, you, you think I'm, uh, uh, I'm shaming the, uh, the GOP unnecessarily? No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the problem that we have with the Republican Party is that we lack cohesiveness. We do not, uh, we do not come together around a, a common cause, and that common cause is freedom. You know, what you're seeing happening in this country right now, uh, the Democrat Party is deathly afraid of Donald Trump's success. Um, they are afraid that he's not only winning the polls, but he's, that he's going to take the primaries and take the general election, and they will stop at nothing to keep him from winning. Uh, because they know that's what's happening. So what you're seeing now is, a, is an overreaction uh, by states. Uh, the, the Secretary of State of the state of Maine, I mean, I, I'd like to see the hearing that she actually had to make this determination that he doesn't qualify on the ballot. She's, she gets to be the uh, uh, the judge and executioner all at the same time. It, it, it's really an incredible situation what's happening. Well, it is. And, Curtis, I've told you before, I always remind my audience I'm not a lawyer. You are a lawyer. What does it mean mm -hmm. when, for an entire state, a you know a mid-level but but state-level elected official like the secretary of state can hold an administrative hearing and then simply say i've decided this is how it's going to go i mean that what? it, it kind of suggests that that it doesn't take much to to really bust apart the framework of our elections and that's not the way it's meant to be i mean wh who did she call for witnesses uh, did she certainly didn't have donald trump come in and give his side of the story uh, she didn't. She she hasn't listed who was at this hearing and how she came to this decision. What standard she determined. I mean, he's being uh, thrown into this whole insurrection thing. And whatever you want to call January sixth, and and there's lots of opinions about uh, how appropriate or inappropriate some of the conduct may be. It was not an insurrection as defined, an, uh, an armed rebellion. Uh, they have to make this this pitch that he was engaged in insurrection against the United States or against the Constitution. What evidence did they present? That matter still has not been addressed in these uh, these mocked up uh, court actions that are that are framed up all over the country. Uh, I want to see Maine's actual evidence that she uh, that she entered into that she that she listened to that she observed to make that decision. I don't think well, there was anything there. And it's funny because the Democrats seem to jump past what the the 
even the people who broke the law, and there were people who broke the law on January the sure. 6th, although the kind of thing that normally gets you a ticket, I mean, if I came to Indiana and went to your state capitol and said, I'm having a sit-in in the attorney general's office, or I'm having a sit-in in the governor's office, or in the legislature, like Wisconsin Democrats have done in years gone by, and you'd say, okay, you're going to get a ticket at, at worst, you're going to pay a fine, you might have to stand in front of a judge and give your abject apology, <laughs> throw yourself on the mercy of the court. We have people locked up incommunicado in the Washington, D.C. jail for extensive periods of time for something that's a trespass ticket, isn't it? Well, you know, I've been to the Capitol on a number of occasions, and I've had to go through security. I can't imagine being several blocks away from the Capitol building and, and being able to anticipate that any number of people would be able to get past security to get into the United States Capitol building. Something else was going on uh, at, at that situation that makes this all just uh, uh, very unlikely. And those are the things that haven't come out yet from a, from a factual standpoint. So all of these folks talking about insurrection, talking about disqualified from service, uh, that's all a ruse because they're deathly afraid uh, of the, the people who are supporting freedom, who want their freedom back and want their freedom maintained, the support for Donald Trump. They're, they're afraid that he's going to return to office, and they'll do anything they possibly can to make that not happen. Well, see, and that that's the part of it that, that really troubles me the most, is that I've been telling people, you hear about this as Trump's being kept off the ballot. And I think the more important thing is, voters in Colorado are being told, you aren't an in Maine, you aren't allowed to vote for this guy. And I thought, in what? You know, I mean, we, we've certainly heard about it in other countries, you know, Russia, Cuba, other countries, where they say, you're only allowed to vote for these people. Everybody else we're throwing in jail. That's a technique of the communists to say, we won't let the public vote for the people we're afraid the public will end up electing. And that's what they're effectively telling us. Having said 2020 was the cleanest, most legitimate election in American history, and then the very next, you know, within the next year, a whole bunch of states passed laws, changed their laws, saying, well, apparently it wasn't that secure. We need to have new laws that forbid all kinds of activities, you know, of, uh, you know, that are involved in, uh, during, during campaigns and during votes. You say, well, if it was the most secure, why'd you have to change all these laws? And, and now they're saying, now that we've got the most secure election system, so they claim, we're not going to let you vote for this guy. Well, and they, and they, they want to, uh, basically, up, uh, uh, turn over the election process. I mean, uh, can you imagine the, the, the lack of election integrity? If Trump is kept off the, off the, uh, the ballot and is unable to proceed, what that would do to America, how Trump supporters, and not just Trump supporters, people who believe in democracy. I mean, this is not, this is not necessarily about Trump at this point. This is about freedom and, and, uh, and democracy and the ability to vote. Uh, this is fundamental to who we are as a nation. So if we disrupt that, and, and it's right along there, it's, it's really should be no surprise because we've seen censorship coming. Uh, we've seen all sorts of attacks on liberty and freedom. So if this happens the way that, that, that they anticipate, there will be no peace. Uh, this will be a, 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 uh, a mark against the integrity of the election process that we won't get past. Uh, it's imperative, regardless of how anyone feels about the candidates, you have to allow the voters to make the choice going forward and then do everything that we can to maintain and make sure that we have a safe and fair election. Curtis Hill is the former attorney general in Indiana and the Republican candidate for governor. The other piece of this, and I just saw this in the last couple of days, I don't know if you remember Dinesh D'Souza. He's a friend. 
Uh, and he got in trouble because he admitted he, he helped channel some uh, donations to a, a lady he'd gone to law school with. And it was 20 grand. And, and all he did was say, you make the donation because you're only allowed to donate so much to each candidate from each American citizen. He cheated that. It was 20 grand. And he gets eight months of effectively house arrest or nightly lockup for eight months. Sam Bankman Freed channels a hundred million dollars, stolen dollars, uh, to uh, about 300 different candidates. And what does the Biden DOJ say? Yeah, we're not going to pursue those violations at all. And I've had well, people say, you, well, you, no, sorry, go ahead. I'll let you finish up. Well, you do know that there's a, a multi-tiered system of justice in the United States of America. Now. I mean, what you just yep. described is part and parcel of what's going on. If you're a conservative, if you're someone who believes in freedom, uh, there's a different standard that you face in the Biden administration uh, than if you're someone connected to his family or connected to their process. So That's right. That's Curtis Hill running for governor in the great state of Indiana. Back in a moment. Curtis, thanks so much. We'll get to your phone calls and emails. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Do you realize you can literally have Lars with you all day, every day? Podcasts at Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and live right now. What a time to be alive. Here's Lars. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show on a Tuesday, 2024. And the poll on X, which we used to call the Twitter poll, should Harvard have allowed a plagiarist president, Claudine Gay, to resign instead of being fired? I think they should have fired her. Today's poll is found at Lars Larson Show on X, formerly known as Twitter, also on our website at LarsLarson.com, and always brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Now, on that note, I want to go to a naysayer, and that's Anthony, who's calling in. Anthony, welcome to the program. What do you and I disagree about? You're my first naysayer of 2024. What do we disagree about that makes you a well, naysayer? Well, awesome, Lars, and Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year to you as well. Well, what I'm saying that we disagree is I'm actually glad that he resigned instead of being fired. There are three reasons for that. Reason one, she would not have to admit that she was wrong. Reason that if two, she was fired, she would not have to admit it? 
Yes, reason two. And she would have the right to appeal her termination, and reason three should be allowed to collect the unemployment after termination. Well, see, but but here's the thing: she's if they're firing her under their con under her contract, she can still she can still say she was pushed out. But she doesn't get, by resigning on her own, she says, I wasn't fired for being a plagiarist. I wasn't being fired for being anti-Jewish or anti-Israel. I decided to resign on my own. It protects her right to say she didn't do anything wrong. On the other hand, if Harvard had fired her, and then, like you said, if she had contested her firing and said, no, I want a hearing. And Harvard came in and said, well, here's all the evidence that you plagiarized, and here's all the evidence that what you said before Congress was crazy. Uh, she, would, she would have been completely exposed. By allowing her to resign, she doesn't have to admit to a damn thing, does she? Well, on the contrary to that, she was already exposed by many of the media. So she can still deny it every allegation and ultimately try to get her job back rather than break recognition. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going I'm to start referring to her as alleged uh, play, plagiarist Claudine Gay. Uh, to the extent that we ever talk about her again, I don't know where she's going to find a job. Uh, let's go to uh, Sean, who's calling in listening in Springfield on the Radio Northwest Network and KPNW. Sean, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hey, Lars, I was just giving you a call because we had a uh, incident in our local school in which my stepson was involved where they uh, had a kid trying to sell a BB gun in the classroom. Wow. And what did the school do? Yeah. So, honestly, nothing. Uh, they originally blamed it on my stepson, and, you know, they ended up not even calling my wife. Um, I don't think they even called the police at the end of the day. And it turns out that the kid was actually back in school the next day after being caught with a gun. The kid who tried to sell the BB gun. Now, who did the BB gun belong to? Um, so, according to the uh, the messages that my wife sent the principal, it belonged to a kid named Mackie, one of my uh, my son's classmates. Classmates. So it wasn't your son's BB yeah. gun. So how did they end up tagging well, him for that? So... They tried to, a bunch of the classmates, I'm assuming, who didn't like him, tried to blame it on my son, um, so they had it. But in the end, you know, they didn't even search his backpack. They didn't require any proof. They just automatically assumed. But they, they just assumed well, it. But why did they pick him out of all the other boys in the school? Why would they pick him? They had seven different people report him, um, saying as he had it. I'm assuming friends with the kid who actually had the, uh, the firearm. Uh, okay. So... Did the police respond, or did the school call the police at all? Nope. Have you called the police? They, I did not. Uh, I was not actually physically a part of that. I had assumed um, through my wife that that had occurred, and I was talking to her um, on Saturday. I think you ought to call the police. Say if a gun was brought to school, BB gun or not, it's not allowed to be there, and, and kids that age are not allowed to bring a gun to school, I, I would assume, including a BB gun. If you called the Springfield police and said, hey, why did, did you get a call on this? And if you did, what did you do about it? I will have to do that because um, the principal would not tell us if the police were called or not on the issue. Boy, you know what? And at that point, I'd also, if you've got the time, call every single school board member and say, is this the way you're running things over there? That a gun is brought to school, BB gun or not, and is found, discovered, and then improperly blamed on your son or your stepson. Um, and I want to know why you're running things that way. 
Do you think the school board is even aware of what's going on? Probably not. Uh, I think it probably would have made the news if it had. Yeah. Well, call them up. And maybe a surprise them. At the very least, I would expect that a school board member would then call the principal or the superintendent and ask them, hey, why are we running things this way if somebody brings a BB gun to school? Um, I, look, I think BB guns in the hands of responsible people, there's nothing wrong with them, just like there's nothing wrong with, with the kind of guns I own. But I don't bring them to a school, uh, you know, because because it's now illegal. So, uh, or it's generally illegal. School districts can actually, well, it used to be illegal to carry it at a school, but. Yeah, we definitely hammered into our son that, you know, guns are not toys and all of ours remain locked up beyond the ones we keep in various places. But, yeah. If you, it, if it you call, let me say this quick because we're coming to the end of the break. If you call the police and they didn't know about it, ask them, what are you going to do about it? If the school found a gun at school, identified it, and then uh, tried to blame it on somebody bringing it, why didn't they call you, should they have called you, and demand an answer from the local cops? You got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges, but how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com. View the videos and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live. And now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to Lars Larson Show. It's a great pleasure to be with you on the first Tuesday of 2024. And always glad to have our Radio Northwest Network that has carried us now for 24 years of serving the Pacific Northwest states, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. It is a great pleasure, and if you want to join the conversation, it's 866-HEY-LARS. You happen to be a naysayer, 866-439-5277. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And, of course, our uh, t what used to be our Twitter poll, we're now calling it the poll on X, because the X poll sounds kind of, uh, I don't know, suspicious. Uh, should Harvard have allowed plagiarist President Claudine Gay to resign instead of being fired? She was allowed to resign. 
I guess she can continue denying that she's a major league plagiarist and anti-Semite. You can find the Twitter poll or X poll question at Lars Larson Show and brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. And we find our friend Todd Myers at the Washington Policy Center. He is the environmental director. Todd, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. So how did 2023 shape up? And when you look back over those 12 months, was it a good year or a bad one when it comes to environmental policy? I, I think every year there's always some good and bad, and that was no different in 2023. I think there were some really good things, which is, is that increasingly people started to recognize that government policy and government approaches to the environment don't work very well, um, but that there are um, lots of good private sector alternatives, market-based alternatives to help the environment. Um, I think that's the real good thing. The bad thing is, unfortunately, that we still have lots of really silly environmental policy, especially here in Washington State, and others are following, and we need to, and, and some of those even got more absurd, so it was good and bad. Okay, because one of the things I've been telling my audience about that I think is especially sneaky is when both the federal government and the state government say, well, we're not banning natural gas. We're not banning incandescent light bulbs. We're not banning gasoline engines. We're just sending, uh, we're setting, uh, environmental stand efficiency standards. And they get a chance right. to, uh, you know, I've compared it to saying you can have any gasoline powered car you want as long as it gets a hundred miles to the gallon. And people say, well, there is no such thing. And I said, you're right, there is no such thing, but you're going to have anyone that actually meets that standard. They did that with light bulbs. I guess they're going to do that with gas, uh, natural gas appliances. And I guess it's a way to hide it from the public so the public will be told, oh, you're hearing all this stuff about a natural gas ban. We have in no way, shape, or form banned natural gas, but nobody's going to be using it. Well, and in fact, you saw the absurdity of that in 2023 very clearly where um they were looking to ban natural gas appliances, but then they said, no, 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 we're not banning it. But in the months leading up to that, even Governor Inslee and others had been saying, we should ban um, natural gas stoves because they're bad for all sorts of reasons that they alleged. And the minute the messaging turned out to be bad, uh, they changed their messaging and said, oh, no, no, we never intended to ban it. So exactly what you're saying is correct. When they realized that the messaging of banning natural gas stoves or other things is bad, they simply pretend like it never happened despite their own uh, previous promises. Do you suspect, as I do, and, and maybe you don't, but I suspect the reason they did that is the Ninth Circus Court, you know, the one in San Francisco that controls most of the West Coast, with its decisions, uh, said Berkeley, I think it was five years ago, 2019, said we're going to ban yeah. natural gas. And the courts struck it down. So the government's just said, oh, well, then we won't do it through bans. We'll just do it through efficiency measures. We'll get the same result, but without having to go to court and lose. That's exactly right. And there was actually some good news recently, which is that that decision, which prevented Berkeley and others and Washington State, among others, from directly banning um, natural gas home hookups for heating, um, the Ninth Circuit refused to take the appeal on that. So that ruling stands. But again, it doesn't stop the fight. They simply find other ways. And they did exactly what you said in, in Washington State, which is to create standards that simply are virtually impossible for it to be met by having a natural gas home hookup. And we know that that's going to increase costs. And at the end of the day, they themselves admitted that it would increase costs. 
Um, so they do play these games. But I, like I said, I think in 2023, the, it became more obvious that they were playing these sort of dishonest games with gas prices and other things like that. And people began to realize that this was a charade. And so I saw more and more evidence. And so I think that's a good thing that happened in 2023. Well, and, and one of the things, uh, Todd, and you correct me if I'm wrong on this, but on the light bulbs, because, you know, I had to buy a bunch of light bulbs recently, and, and it costs an arm and a leg now because they're LEDs, and they cost an amazing amount of money each as compared to incandescent light bulbs that were relatively cheap. And you hear people say, even conservative friends of mine, well, they banned those. And I said, no, they didn't ban them. They just said you can have any incandescent bulb as long as it, I think the standard was, it generates 45 lumens for every watt. And they said, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, a 60-watt bulb is 800 lumens. So you'd have to find a way to make a 60-watt light bulb that will run on about 17 watts of energy. And they said, hold on, how do you make a 60-watt light bulb light up with 17 watts? Because there would be a 17-watt bulb. You say, well, you yeah. can't make an incandescent bulb that meets the standard. But they haven't banned it. They've just said uh, you can only have one if it meets these standards, like the 100-mile-an-hour or 100-mile-per-gallon gas, uh, gas-powered car. That's exactly right, and that story, I think, is even more fun because the intermediate step between incandescent and LEDs was the compact fluorescent light bulbs, the little squiggly light bulbs. And for a long time in Washington State, that's what they were promoting, and Seattle City Light was actually handing out those compact fluorescent light bulbs. The problem was is that they contained mercury. So then Washington State had to create a law to recover all of the CFLs that they had handed out because they contained mercury. So, you know, politicians think that they can predict. They think they know the future. They think that they are no better than anybody else. But again and again, it turns out that it's not right. And, you know, I think a lot of people who are not close to these are willing to give the benefit of the doubt to experts and to politicians who they believe are well-meaning. But I think that that is really changing, and I think that the costs and the impacts of bad policies are coming home to roost. We're not there yet by any stretch of the imagination, but I did definitely see more justifiable skepticism about some of these claims. Well, and some of that, and you gave credit to Susanna Frame, who's the big investigative reporter at King 5 News in Seattle. And she went out and showed that the state basically missed almost all of its environmental goals. So they set a goal, they missed... <coughs> And then she went to try to talk to Inslee about it, and he ducked out of the interview and refused to talk to them. That should tell you this is these are bankrupt policies when even the biggest supporter of the policies doesn't want to talk about it. And, and the guy who set the targets. So this is not me setting the targets or other people. They were Jay Inslee's own targets that he missed. And when Susanna Frame asked him, why are you missing your own targets, he refused to talk about it. So, again, all of these things add up. But again, it's not that the answer for people on the right, like you and I, is not that we shouldn't care about the environment or the environmental, you know, concern and sustainability is, is nonsense. It is that there is a better way to do it and that politicians are not only bad for the economy, they're bad for the environment, but that innovation and market incentives are good for both. Absolutely right. Todd Myers, Environmental Director at Washington Policy. Back in a moment. Glad to get your phone calls, and I'll get to some of those calls. And the new report, the Jeffrey Epstein document dump, includes a John Doe that we know very well, the horny hick from Arkansas, Bill Flint. We'll get to that next.
is staring at your... I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. He's up before you are, weeding out the right from the wrong. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. There's a brand new John Doe out there, John Doe number 36, and he is a very familiar figure. I'm talking about the Jeffrey Epstein document dump. Yeah, Epstein is dead. I think he was murdered. I don't think he committed suicide. His pimp or madam or whatever you want to call somebody who obtains children for the sexual purposes of her employer, whatever you want to call that, that would be Ghislaine Maxwell. She was convicted of her crimes. Jeffrey Epstein was never convicted of his most serious crimes, although there doesn't seem to be much doubt that he committed them against children. He largely escaped after the original charges were brought in Florida. And then he's being held in very protective custody in uh, the lockup in downtown Manhattan, and he ends up committing suicide. Wow. Or so they would tell you. Well, now they're dumping some of the documents out. And John Doe, number 36, is actually President Bill Clinton. The horny hick from Arkansas, age 77. He appears 50 times in the redacted documents from the 2015 legal case that was brought by one of Epstein's accusers, Virginia Giffrey. And the references arise mostly from Giffrey's attempts to get him to testify against Epstein because we know the connections. And the problem is, there are an awful lot of very powerful and very rich people who are connected to Jeffrey Epstein, including, of course, Bill Gates, who stayed connected to him and continued to associate with him, even going to his home and having dinner and things like that, after he knew that Jeffrey Epstein was a convicted pedophile. Now, as I said, the earlier charges, he managed to get those dumbed down, but the newest charges, he never actually faced any kind of... Uh, any kind of trial because he committed suicide conveniently for all of those people. And now, now we've got a formal connection. John Doe number 36 is, in fact, Bill Clinton. Glad to be with you on the, the first day, first my first day of, for 2024, a Tuesday. And glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you can answer our poll, and we've always called it the Twitter poll. Now we call it the poll on X because Twitter changed its name to X. Should Harvard have allowed plagiarist President Claudine Gay to resign from her job instead of being fired as the president of Harvard? 
I think she should have been fired. And if she contested that firing, then it would be great to see a courtroom trial in which all the evidence of her plagiarism was brought to public light. But instead, Harvard allowed her to resign, which means she'll probably never have to answer those concerns. Although the likelihood of ever finding a job in uh, academics after that, uh, that might that might be a little bit of a stretch. Let's go to Rob. Hey, Rob, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Hi, Lars. Um, yeah, Happy New Year to you. Happy New um, Year to you as well. I I really question. I, I I I went to college and I went all the way and I've got my PhD and et cetera. And Good. my thesis, I had to present it to a committee, and the committee consisted of five or six professors from the same department plus somebody from outside industry that had a PhD, and they were all required to read your thesis and identify areas where things were suspicious or whatever. Where's the committee report on her thesis if she has so many blatant uh, plagiaristic uh, uh, phrases and, and, and comments and without the right references? I, I, I think it just gives a whole, you know, what is it? Uh, uh, you know, I just I can't quite understand what college she went to or what department at Harvard would allow that to happen? Well, they're supposed to be this premium institution. I, I understand that, and I don't think I don't think Harvard is a premium. Maybe it was at one point. It is not today. Uh, although having a Harvard degree seems to be a ticket to be able to get in, used to be a ticket to get into some of the most elite uh, law firms and other fancy places to work with big paychecks and all that. But apparently. There have been people raising allegations about her plagiarism for decades, but she got her thesis back in 1998 when she graduated from Harvard. Well, that was 25 years ago. So I'm not sure. And, and if when the people who read your thesis, were they there to see whether your reasoning was sound or di were they actually tasked to try to find out, was this original work by you or did you, did you steal it from somebody else? Because typically, is that typically the job? I mean, unless a member of that yeah, thesis well, committee says, "Hey, this paper by Rob seems awfully fam familiar," and then goes through the time and effort to try to find out if you borrowed some of it from somewhere, they're not going to call it out, are they? Uh, no. Well, um, where I went, I was at a technical college. I got a degree in in material science, and uh, right, um, and so a lot of my thesis was original work. Um, you know, but, uh, but still, uh, they knew of me. I was in the department, attended department meetings, did my duties as, you know, substitute teaching, young undergrad, you know, did all the, the slave labor that grad students do and, and finally got a stipend and finished out and, and got my doctorate. So, it, and, and they knew of my character. They knew of me. They knew my work. They either taught me in classes and seen my work. They you know personally or or otherwise, and that's why they. I have to pick my committee, and so I have to go and ask them, "Would you like to be on my committee?" Okay, and they said, "Sure, I will, Rob. It'd be honored to do something like that." Um, so, so yeah, it's it's. Where is this institution in academic canons? I, I just well, and and the other uh, thing that's changed, Rob, in the last twenty five years. 
I don't I don't have a degree, so I don't I don't uh, you know have any personal knowledge of it. But from what I read, the computer tools that are available today to check things for plagiarism are so oh, much yeah. better because you can feed oh. a paper in at one end, and the computer will say this is very very much like these paragraphs from some other piece of work. But that that capability I think is about a decade old or so. Now there yeah. were probably yeah. versions of it back then, but I think. Way back when, universities used to rely on sort of the memories that if you were one of these PhDs and you were a professor at a top university, probably read virtually everything that was written in your field, and you'd say, gosh, this sounds a lot like that paper that so-and-so wrote, and then you'd have to go back and look it up. These days, they can mechanically go through somebody's work. I mean, mechanically, in that you feed right. it into a computer, right. and the computer can find even stuff that looks very, very similar, if not the exact same lines. Thanks for the call, Rob. Let's go to Robert. Hey, Robert, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Lars, long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you, sir. And I was wondering, when you, uh, the interview you had the Attorney General of Indiana earlier. Yeah. And he mentioned democracy. Um, yeah. I don't think democracy is ever spoken in a declaration or the bill of rights not even one time well it is in the constitution robert i mean we're we're a federal republic which means the relationship federal between the federal government and the states is different than most countries that are just one big country like germany but that where you'd find a reference isn't specifically to the word democracy but the constitution spells out how each of the states will conduct its elections and those elections decide not just state offices, but federal offices as well. So even though it isn't mentioned specifically, we are a federal republic with elements of democracy in it. Does that make sense? Uh, what's your definition of democracy? Is it mob rule? Well, mob rule, if you let the, all the voters make every single decision, in this case, we decide who our representatives will be, and that is done democratically. But officially, we're a federal republic. You got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Whenever you want it, get the podcast all day, every day at LarsLarson.com. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. Happy New Year in 2024, and I'm glad to get to your calls in a moment at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. You can vote in our X poll. The poll on X, I guess, is our new name for it because Twitter poll doesn't work anymore because it ain't Twitter anymore. It's X. Uh, but I want to welcome to the program Shay Bradley Farrell, uh, doctor, who is president of Counterpoint Institute for Policy Research and Education. I wanted to talk about what's going on in the Middle East now, and not just specifically in Gaza and the West Bank of the Jordan River. Uh, Dr. Bradley Farrell, welcome to the program. Happy New Year, Lars. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Happy New Year to you as well. I've got to ask you this, though. I mean, an awful lot of the focus, of course, is what's going on in Gaza and the IDF's, uh, you know, uh, uh, ability to go in and, and clean out Hamas, which, of course, the, the Wokies in America want them to stop. Now that the terrorists have done what they've done, they don't want the IDF to go in and clean out the people who did the terrorism, which seems kind of crazy to me. But the Red Sea is becoming a real problem because of attacks on shipping there as well. And I'm wondering, 
How much of this do we put right at, on the desk of Joe Biden, uh, making policy decisions that are actually putting the whole region in peril? Uh, Lars, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that for the past two years, he has telegraphed weakness to the world. And that's why we're in a lot of the fix that we're in. I don't believe that Hamas would have attacked Israel if uh, President Trump had been in office, just like I don't believe Putin would have attacked Ukraine. So I, I think that it has a lot to do with his weakness, his administration's weakness. I mean, they are very ambiguous on what their foreign policy is, and their foreign policy is not an American interest. Um, if you go all the way back to us surrendering Afghanistan to the Taliban, I mean, that might be the biggest moment or the first moment when we see national interests drop because we, he put us in a much uh, more precarious position. We left billions of dollars of equipment there that they have used to track down our allies. And let's not forget that Americans were um, killed as well. So uh, we could talk about that, Lars, for an hour, but there are so many things that his foreign policy is doing to put us in a very weak state, much less on our southern border. Well, and, and the Middle East, am I being, I don't know, ethnocentric or jingoistic if I say the Middle East in particular reads weakness in a way that Americans don't necessarily, I mean, we, Americans will say you want to go along and get along and you want to come to compromises and agreements and accords, but in the Middle East, weakness just says, hey, these guys are, are willing to, uh, guys and gals are willing to give it up. Okay, uh, we'll take advantage of that more so than perhaps uh, any other particular region of the, of the world. Or, or have I misread that? No, I, I agree with you. I actually spent um, a lot of time in Arab states, Arab Gulf states, before coming to D.C. about seven and a half years ago. And that is, I, I think that's right. The other country that comes up in my mind, though, that uses our weakness to its advantage is China. But I do think that you're right about that. I have actually stood in Israel while, uh, you know, Hamas is sending rockets over into Israel from the Gaza Strip. And I think that as an international community, we allow that. It was only about two days, two or three days after the Hamas attack in October that I was at a pro-Israel conference speaking there in Budapest. And this had been planned for months before, and it just yep. happened to coincide two days after the attack. And the number one thing on the minds of my Israeli friends there that were actually able to come, not everybody was, of course, but the number one thing that they said to us is that we are concerned that the international community will start pushing back on us as we go in, like you were saying in the beginning, to level Hamas, to uproot Hamas. And, you know, we, it didn't take five days for that to start happening. Now, let me ask you about something else, because, uh, uh, but it relates to that. And that is the U.S. failure to act. Because within a week or two of the attack on October 7th, the Wall Street Journal ran a fascinating story in which they said, yeah, about 500 Hamas fighters were brought to Iran. They went through fairly extensive training, even some new techniques and things that, that the folks who watch Hamas had not seen before. And then they went back and carried out the attack. You would think that that kind of connection, and that's not just a, well, so-and-so says it's happening, 
the the Wall Street Journal get, did a good job of documenting that that's how it went down. You'd think the Biden administration would have at that point sent a real strong message of some kind to Iran, saying, you made this happen, you trained these people to carry out this terrorist attack, and there will be consequences. Have there been any? No, and they have been consistently weak on Iran even before this attack. I mean, we've seen that with the nuclear arms bill and all of this uh, walking up to this time period. But the root of the problem is the fact that something a lot of people don't understand. Hamas is well-funded by Iran, by Qatar, by the United Nations, meaning we are funding them. The U.N. uh, Relief Working Agency in the United Nations, you know, Trump defunded that because it uh, has connections to Hamas operatives. So Biden is funding it again, and we've been funding it since 19... Uh, I think 48, 49. So this is generations of Palestinian refugees that we have been funding. And the problem is, is like I said, they teach anti-Semitic curriculum to children, uh, you know, Palestinians, and they're, they are ties to other Hamas operatives. And here's, here's the real kicker, Lars. Um, Joe Biden, we've given something like $6 billion in the past 50 or so decades. One billion of that has gone to uh, the U.N. Relief Working Agency under Biden. So he may be talking out of one side of his mouth saying that we've got to support Israel. But you go to the root problems, and in the European Union, it's the same thing. They're funding organizations that, you know, indirectly the money gets to Hamas. So that's a huge issue. And how do we get that cut off? And why... I mean, when you look at that massive tunnel system that they have, which I think is now flooded with seawater, but 300 miles of tunnels as big as the New York subway system, and you say, where'd they get all that concrete and rebar and steel and everything else? Well, they got it from us. Uh, well, how did they get that? Well, we gave it to them. They said they were going to build uh, housing and other facilities for ordinary Gazans, and then they diverted, it sounds like, an enormous amount of it to that. You would think that would lead to an immediate cutoff, saying, you're not getting any more aid unless we can be assured that none of it is going to aid in a bad terrorist. And yet that hasn't happened either. Nobody's even seems to be talking about that. Yeah, but like I said, Trump did defund some of that right. because it is as easy as that. And you're right. No one's talking about it. That's why I keep bringing it up saying, hey, what are we doing? This is ridiculous. And I will be honest with you, I have compassion for the Palestinians that are still in need after many decades. I do have compassion for that. But the point is, is that the international organizations are often, the money going into them is often hijacked in different ways by Hamas and Hamas and used by Hamas to build these tunnels, as you're saying. I've also, you know, been to the border of Lebanon and Israel and seen this happening. I've been to the Syrian border. And one thing that I will tell you from that experience, I did that whole border tour, um, you know, within one week. And that experience, especially having missiles being fired while I was there, and so we stopped our approach to the Gaza Strip and and went and stood by a uh, bombing shelter just in case. And then, you know, in a couple days, we were able to go forward and talk to residents there, and they lived like that. Unbelievable. That is Dr. Shay Bradley Farrell. She's Ph.D., president of the Counterpoint Institute for Policy Research and Education, author of Last Morning to the West, Hungary's Triumph Over Communism and the Woke Agenda. Dr. Bradley.
Bradley Farrell, thank you. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. To all the wokey snowflakes, yes, you are probably going to be offended. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. I want to make sure that I mention this today because uh, over the Christmas break, well, by the way, welcome back and Happy New Year. But over the Christmas break, I heard from a lot of people uh, about what's going on. And this is happening in a lot of school districts. But the latest one, Lake Oswego, one of the most Tony suburbs of Portland. Uh, very expensive to live there and they have Lake Ridge High School. Well, Lake Ridge High School is now very happy that it is hosting a drag show. Now, this is high school kids, so perhaps uh, there's less concern than when you have drag queen story hours at local libraries for very small, very impressionable children. But still in all, it makes you wonder when the schools are not doing an adequate job of educating kids, when the statewide numbers show in both Oregon and Washington that kids are not getting the public education for which taxpayers are paying seventeen, eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars per student per year, and they can't do reading and writing and math to the point where the state of Oregon has decided to continue its policy that you may get to 12 years in public education and not be able to read, write, or count, and you still get a high school diploma. And then you get this. Lake Ridge High School is proud to be hosting Poison Waters to come for a drag festival at the school. And I got this note from Cheryl who said, Lars, um, I thought you might be interested in this event. I support student organizations fundraising for their cause, but hosting a drag fest on taxpayer-owned school property crosses the line. I'm hoping your voice will bring some attention to what the school district and the high school are coordinating. How ironic that the same school district takes issue with allowing the Boy Scouts to meet on their school properties, and yet they host a drag fest. Well, we're digging into that one as well. To your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And this segment is brought to you by the home powder generating folks at ProTech Power. Make sure your loved ones are safe when the power goes out, and it does from time to time. 541-ONA-GEN. That's 541-ONA-GEN. Let's go to Dan in Washougal, Washington. Dan, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? 
Hey, Lars. Hey, uh, first of all, I just want to uh, wish you and your family a happy new year from our family. And the and, same to uh, you and yours. Uh, thank you. Uh, so, uh, first time uh, caller, been listening for uh, about five years now. And uh, my comment was uh, I just got out of meetings today and um, I, the first thing I popped on the radio, as always, listened to the Lars Larson show, and I, I hear um, there was a, uh, in New York, a, um, a couple people had died from somebody driving a vehicle into a crowd on a crosswalk, blah, blah, blah. Happened in Rochester, New York. Nice town. I've been there. It's Rochester, New York. He crashed right into a New Year's Eve celebration. Uh, it was a band right, that was playing right. early, early Monday morning. So in the in the early morning hours of, of New Year's Day, and the guy, uh, 35-year-old Michael Avery, he was in the car, and it was loaded with gas cans. Right, right. And so uh, where I go with that one, Lars, is, you know, here's um, somebody that jumps in a vehicle and drives through a crosswalk, and when you're classified as a possible uh, terrorist, according to the whatever media is going on there, um, it's an inanimate object that was driven. Similar to what somebody might uh, grab a pistol and who knows what they're going to do with it. So how can you say, and that's kind of personal when you say that you are a potential terrorist, but when somebody grabs a gun, why isn't it something more personal instead of an inanimate object being blamed? Um, like a pistol. So Probably doesn't, automatically does, it's, gun it's gun violence, right? But yet when yep. you're in a vehicle, it's, no, that, what the heck? No way. It, it's it's not vehicle violence. Dan, I, I share your concern because the way that we communicate in news, if you call somebody a shooter, well, I'm a shooter every time I go to the gun range and shoot at paper targets. I'm a shooter. When you kill people with a gun or you wound people with a gun, you're you're either a, an attempted murderer or you're a murderer. And I've seen newsrooms be unwilling to call somebody a killer, and they call him a shooter instead. But this guy, this Michael Avery, is not called a driver. Uh, he's called a, a guy who loaded his car with gas cans, a uh, rented Ford Expedition, loads it up with, I think it was a dozen uh, five-gallon cans of gas, and then crashes into a crowd. And some of the first stories I saw this morning when I came into the studio were uh, no no evidence of terrorism. And all they mean is they don't yet know his motivation. Well, you know, that's true uh, of a lot. In fact, the Nashville shooter, the, the authorities didn't want to release the uh, the uh, uh, not memorandum, but the, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, oh gosh, manifesto that the Nashville shooter was using. And you say, why not? You know, if the shooter is dead. And there's never going to be a trial. Why not tell us what what was motivating the person? Now, I think by definition, people who murder people for no you know no reason or for a reason, usually their reasons are kind of crazy anyway. So all you know right. is this crazy person thought some crazy things and did some murderous things. But in this case, when they say there's no evidence of terrorism, only because they can't find that anybody actually you know that that they can't identify a motive. Well, as I said, that's that's true in an awful lot of cases, including Nashville. And in many cases, the authorities want to cover up the motivation and not tell us what was driving this crazy man to do what he did. And as you said, 
plow into a crowd and kill two people. Dan, thanks for listening, and Happy New Year to all of you. And thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com.